If um, you would, Leroy, will you um, pray for this session for us to kick it off? Eternal Father, our Lord, we thank you for this our protector, our provider. Heavenly Father, I'm trying to just use words to edify and glorify you because we know that you're an awesome God. And we just lift you right now to give you the praise and glory to thank you for this beautiful day that you provided for this conference, including yesterday, Heavenly Father. Our prayers that uh, we have gained wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. and that we all have been encouraged, Heavenly Father, to, to just stretch ourselves to just to serve you whether it's here in America or any part of the world. We want to fulfill your commission that you gave us. We ask you that you bless this uh, panel today. Uh, let them share with us, Heavenly Father, encouragement that we become excited and we will go out into the field sharing your righteous and holy name. Heavenly Father, again, we just say we love and praise you. We offer this prayer through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Um, this is a nicer turnout than I anticipated, so this is great. Um, these lights are so bright, I can hardly see out there, but it's crazy. Uh, so anyway, could you, a few of you just share um, why you came, you picked this one to be at, this panel discussion. Could you share with me about that? Okay, I'll volunteer you if you don't raise your hand. Okay, yes. Okay, number one, I'm ignorant. I'm about to go on my first mission trip in January. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I said to someone a couple months ago when this planning started was, I don't do any good if I go, I stay for two weeks, and I come home. You know, what good does it do to treat chronic problems with two weeks worth of pills, basically? And therefore... If you're going to have an ongoing impact, you've got to be able to train people that are there to continue the work that you started. Amen. What's your background? I'm a physician. Physician. Okay, good. Excellent. Great. Okay, somebody else. Bye. I said, um, I raised my hand. I go to Kenya every year on short-term missions trip, and I've been um, teaching HIV and AIDS education to high school students for... I've been six or seven times, and what I see is that I want to impart to transfer those things so that they can do it. I don't want to be the one that has to keep coming back. I mean, I'll keep coming back, yes. and I'll yes. want to teach other things, but I, I just thought it would be a good opportunity to learn what you guys have done to transfer some of those, and that's what I thought that this was going to be about. Okay, good. Gwen, is there any way to turn these lights down? I don't know if that would be possible or not, but that would be great if we could do that. Okay, good, thank you. One more. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Gwen, but, you know, if we get, uh, maybe we could get some of those audio video guys, maybe they know. Okay, here's one more button. Push it and see what happens. <laughs> There's a whole light and sound board in that All right. Do we have a technician there, maybe, possibly? Okay. I mean, this is something. Is it bothering you all? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Because you had your, I thought you were praying or something over here. Well, I couldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> something going on I need to know about? Okay. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, I'm an orthodontist, too. Spent 15 years in the upper And uh, now 
Okay. Your missions director at a church? At a church? No, I'm a mission. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Um, you're an orthodontist in Africa. Yeah. And whereabouts? Uh, Kenya and Sudan. Okay. Mainly Sudan. Okay. You doing orthodontics in Sudan? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it begs the question. I did in Kenya. Okay. All right. Good. Excellent. Um, okay. Let me allow the panel to kind of. I'll give you their names and then they'll, I'll let them introduce themselves and um, we'll go from there. Let's start. This is Evan and Heather Benzler, and they are from Canada. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, tell us about you guys. Should we use a mic or am I okay? They're going to tell us if we need a mic. All right. Uh, Heather and I, yeah, we're Canadian from Calgary, um, and we joined the mission field about a year and a half ago, sent from our home church in Calgary. Um, my background is uh, as trained as a family physician, and I worked for 10 years, uh, primarily in, in emergency medicine. Um, my wife is a nurse, worked in uh, perinatal education uh, for six years, and then we now have three of our own kids who there's been homeschooling, and as we moved into the mission field, our strong desire was to go and to um, empower and to teach people to do the things that we've been taught to do. And um, at, the, at the time we started exploring that about four years ago, we didn't really know if there were others doing that, and um, it was actually at this conference that we met Charlie and uh, Steve Saint and learned that there were other people doing it, and uh, we're in the process of learning how, um, and to do more uh, that way. We're also involved in creating tools, such as the iMed program, which is, we're attempting to take med medical care, boil it down to its essentials, so that it's like a baton that we can pass and let go. We can train and equip um, believers, and foreign countries, indigenous believers, with uh, vital skills that they can use and that then they can use to pass on as well. Okay, good. Dr. Carter? Yeah, I'm Lewis Carter. Uh, I'm sorry, at the far end of the spectrum, I guess, uh, the other end of the spectrum. Um, for the last um, 50, we've been with SIM for 30, about 35 years. Uh, actually 25 years on the field. And um, the last 15 years, my wife and I have been involved in a ministry called Homeschooling for Missionary and National Doctors. And uh, we go to the fields and teach the doctors where they are uh, so they don't have to say, well, they can come over here and learn over here. They, no, they can't. Not in our field. My field is in plastic and hand surgery. Uh, and you say, wow, that's kind of unusual. But every, every hospital we go to, uh, if we have a 100-bed hospital, has at least 20 patients that need our care, at least 20. That's just, just when we walk in the hospital the first time. So we go and take uh, our equipment, books, videos, DVDs, you name it, to the doctors and leave it there with them, uh, teach them for about uh, two months. And we've been on 68 trips in the last uh, 15 years. 
we got this idea in years ago when we had a, we were in Nigeria, uh, a orthopedic surgeon from Dallas came out and taught me how to do uh, arthroscopic surgery and also uh, anterior cruciate ligament surgery in two weeks of night, night, morning and night surgery. So we figured if he could do that, we could also go and spend two months and teach doctors some basic techniques that they need to know, uh, whether it's skin grafting or something even um, more elaborate, uh, uh, more specialized than that. But anyway, that's what we do. And um, that's what that's what uh, that's what our ministry is uh, and has been for the last 15 years. Excellent. Hi, uh, my name is Charlie Vidito, and I practice dentistry about a half a mile from here. Well, I used to. I retired in October of last year. And, uh, so I did a lot of short-term mission trips while I would go, and I would train. But uh, I just didn't feel like that was, uh, after doing about 15 of those trips and seeing people, we're leaving all these people behind left untreated, I said, there's got to be a better way than this. And so then that's when I... Met Steve Saint. He said, look at this cool dental chair. And I said, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about a dental chair? But it is kind of cool, actually. But then he's the one that said, why don't you go train people? I said, Steve, I took me four years to learn how to do dentistry. What am I going to do in six, six days? So I started thinking about it, and I thought, wait a second. When it was time to learn how to give shots, we took a year of embryology, neurology, uh, dental anatomy, all I mean, I could tell you the everything you need to know. But when it was time to give, learn how to give shots, they said, okay, here's how you do it. And we spent an afternoon doing it to each other as dental students. So it was like half a day. And then it was time to extract a tooth. A student a year ahead of me showed me how to do it. And then it was just a matter of practice. So I said, you know what? This is crazy. Let's go train and equip the nationals. And this will be a great way to take the gospel to these unreached areas. So that's kind of my background. And uh, so we're really going to open this up for discussion and questions and just see where the Lord leads this, leads this whole thing. So um, let's just throw it open to questions or issues or whatever we want to talk about. So who wants to be first? Okay. Like, what did you, how do you determine what their needs are, specific needs are, and then you focus on those particular skills and try to help those skills down to very teachable, simple, um, things that you can teach somebody about any knowledge at all? Okay. Good. So, do you guys want to tackle that one? You go ahead. All right. All right. I will take that question. Um, it does take time if that's not what you're accustomed to doing to go on short-term mission trips or long-term mission trips to be able to boil down what's essential. I know at iTech where we're helping uh, that's what we're doing. We're working full-time on figuring out what the essentials are and creating tools so that we can equip doctors and dentists and 
and, and missionaries so that they can pass those skills on. So yes, that is a challenge. If you go to the churches that you're working with or the mission organizations that you're working with and you ask them what their needs are, they also can tell you what they are. And if you, um, you can take that home or work with them to create uh, a training program. So both, we work to do that. I know um, Charlie's worked on the IDENT program, which is the dental training, or you can do that yourself. Um, one of the barriers that we have found is here in North America, we're starting to change, getting over the, the hump of yes, they actually can learn and they can be trained. That's one. The other barrier that we have is on the mission field that the indigenous believers have difficulty believing that they can. So sometimes if we start with something small and they can see that yes, that skill can be passed on, or with dentistry, sometimes they need to see somebody else who's done it and, um, and be trained and copy that program. Yes, I can. I was just on a, a trip to Brazil about three weeks ago. We have a program at iTech called IC. It's a op basic optometry program. And um, it has a nonverbal DVD training video that we use to teach and train an indigenous believer. We also have a training video that trains the trainer uh, here in North America. And the kit, it's got 400 pairs of glasses and a, and a, a screening test. Uh, we took that over and we trained an indigenous believer in just over an hour. And she was able to run her own vision clinics alongside us doing medical clinics. Um, our biggest barrier when we <laughs> arrived there was the missions coordinator, the short-term mission coordinator, who said, no, I don't think you can do that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't train. He said to me, you're a nurse. You go ahead and, and, and you do the vision clinics. And it took me standing and saying, I refuse to do that. We are going to pass this skill on. And um, she was able to pick it up in an hour and very successfully run a clinic. And now she's able to carry that on when we're gone back here in North America. Dr. Carter? I didn't hear the question. What, what I understood the question to be was, what are some specific teaching techniques that are used to empower nationals? Is that what your question was? Okay. Well, of course, my work is, is, is much different than, than others, but uh, my work is purely hands-on. It's, uh, it's both lectures, but it's also mainly in the operating room, uh, hands-on technique, whereas I, you know, I let them start operating right away on their patients. That's why they, we go to where they are and not bring them here so they can start operating right away uh, at their level, at their level, what they feel comfortable with. And we, um, we let them start using the knife right away. And uh, I'll mark out where they, you know, plastic surgeons are, are, we have to mark everything out, you know. We, we don't just cut like a general surgeon. We have to mark everything out with a <laughs> marking pencil. And, uh, and so I can do that and show them where to cut. And there's a man who's spoken here before. I mentioned his name yesterday in the seminar. Uh, some of you know him. Uh, he's the professor of surgery at Vanderbilt. Uh, John Tarpley, and he was in Nigeria for 15 years, and he made the statement that he could teach uh, one of his residents out there to do a, the surgery as equally or as better than he could. And I think that's true. Now, I think, you, you know, you just can't start, they can't start out and, and do something uh, very uh, 
competitive first, but you can take them gradually through it. And I can I can teach a uh, a family practice doctor to do a cleft lip and six operations. It takes about four to teach a general surgeon, but that's just going walking through them. Similar similar type cleft lip operations, but it's 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 a hand mine's a hands on in the in in the operating room. And of course I have therefore I have to have an operating room <laughs> to do that, you know. Uh, and I have to have equipment, but I take the equipment to them. I take all the equipment they need. I take the books. I take uh, all that. And I have to tell you a little story. I was, I told this yesterday a couple times. I was in, uh, we go to places, some places where we only have one operating room or just one doctor. And uh, that, that's, we've, we've stopped doing that now pretty much. But we went to a place in, in, uh, in uh, Cameron, and we, uh, we had a cleft lip to do the next day. And so I told the doctor there, I said, uh, well, let's do this cleft lip tomorrow. And I said, now, nah, I'm going to give you the book to read by the, by the author that's written the best book in the world on cleft lips. I'm going to give you the, the articles, the videos, everything. And the next morning, I said to him, I said, well, did you, uh, did you read the book? No. I said, well, did you look at the video? No. Did you read the article? No. And I knew something was up, because this is a, a great guy. I said, well, what, what did you do? Well, you did three cesarean sections that night. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, that made it a little hard, but we, we, do, we do take books and things, let them read it the night before so they can study it, and then we leave all that stuff with them so they can continue doing it after we leave. Nothing we take do we bring home. We, we take it we leave it all, and God's blessed us with a, uh, a worker account with our mission SIM that we're able to to get the equipment either at cost or get our free and take that equipment and leave it out there. I'll talk I'll just mention some examples from the last two days that we've been here. Um, in one group that we were in there was a woman there from Mexico and she told us about being on the receiving end of the annual medical brigade in her community where they would come to hold the, the medical clinic but wouldn't, never mind ask, they wouldn't permit anybody, any local person from the church to be involved in providing or helping with that clinic in any way. So that, I think... The, the starting point is the desire to actually look for the opportunities to say, there are people there. Whatever their skill level or knowledge level, let's look for them. They want to be part of this. They want to serve. They want to reach their community, not be pushed on the outside and, and watch. So the first is, you know, the attitude that we come with is the starting point and being able to say, what can we pass on? If the clinic is involving... Um, blood pressure screening, it doesn't take that long to teach somebody how to do a blood pressure properly. And then you've got somebody who's, who's there at your first uh, step of the triage. They can be involved in that. Um, I was talking with a physician who just got back from a trip to Sudan, and in their clinic, uh, they were seeing a really high number of wounds and soft tissue infections. So the pastor was really interested in helping out so he taught him, this is how you look after this wound. By the end of the clinic, the pastor was running the wound clinic. He was doing sharp debridement. He was doing irrigation, wound cleansing, 
um, appropriate choice of antibiotics um, to treat the wounds that needed it. So it's, it's really, I think, it begins with, uh, with our attitude to say, are, are we willing? Yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but, but now that pastor knows what to do. And in his community, in that place, wounds were, were a real issue. So there's not everything, right? We can't, when we go to teach the, the doctors that are staying how to do specialized procedures, that's, that's another way of empowering people in that, in that. But we're going to where they are. That's beginning in their context, whatever that is. If you're going to pass on specialized skills in the context of the operating room, or you're going to, in, in the clinic, under the, under the tree, you're, you're doing the wound clinic. So I think that's really important. To, we have to be willing to adjust. That's it. Okay, that's the number one issue. Number one is our attitude. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. What Dr. Carter said is number two. Put the instruments in their hands. Trust God. Because what, what was that saying I had yesterday? It says you do God's work God's way. It attracts God's resources. And the resources it attracts are God's wisdom, his discernment, his uh, special ability to teach through the power of the Holy Spirit nationals how to do things to meet the needs because his has a heart for these people. So, next question. has not to do with I, I think we would all agree that uh, the capabilities are there. Uh, my question would be what has been your experience with ensuring or even seeing that uh, the level that you've taught is carried on in a culture that oftentimes uh, doesn't put a premium on that. In fact, there's other pressures to cut corners and everything. So, for instance, just aseptic technique uh, it's been my experience that some of those things tend to go downhill once the team leaves. Uh, you've left it in their hands, great. But uh, not just that, but even the skills themselves might deteriorate. Uh, if you could just address that. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And the, the, the easy answer to that, but probably the best answer, because that's going to happen. That's going to happen, you know? Uh, we teach them skills, and they're going to, uh, they, even though if I give them books and everything else, they still are going to uh, forget easily and forget some key points. And my methodology in that is uh, places where I think the people are eager to learn and want to learn and that I can help them, I go back there over and over again. Uh, there are a number of places I've been to 15 times. Uh, 12 times, uh, and so I will go back uh, every year, uh, once a year, and uh, and take and bring them back where they see where they are now, and uh, and then um, and then uh, retrain them some, and then take them further, and we take people further and further uh, each year. Uh, doctor just wrote me and said that uh, you know he he uh, he does about 500 operations a year that I have taught him. Uh, well, he and all the other doctors that work with him, a lot of national doctors that we've taught over the years. And um, 
you know, he's still learning, but he's learned almost everything I can teach him. Uh, you know, but uh, now then, when I go back, I do find that they've cut corners. I do find they're not doing it quite like I do it. But that's okay. If they get a pretty good result, that's fine. You know, and I think we have to accept that. Uh, but, you know, our we teach at a level that we think is the best possible, but we know that they're not going to always continue that, even though we give them the books and materials and instruments to continue doing it well. But I think that's always going to happen, and I think the only way to keep them, you might up to doing things at a decent level and a level of honoring to the Lord, is to return year, year after year. And I think that's very, very important. I, I, would, I would emphasize that to everybody going on short-term medical trips, go back to the same place. You know, you can't just go someplace and say, okay, I've taught you, I'll go somewhere else. Well, you might do that for some techniques. I mean, I can teach a cleft lip to one person, and they'll do it pretty well. I'll go somewhere else and teach a cleft lip. I might not go back to that same place for years. But for the most part, I go back. I would echo that. You have to go back. It's your responsibility to go back. If you don't plan on going back, don't go in the first place. That's number one. Number two, I think this AIDS epidemic that hit us this last 15 or 20 years has really built people's awareness of um, sterile control. So I find where we do the training, we've done this in 10 different sites, and correct me if I'm wrong, Denny, that um, they are very tuned into sterile technique. And uh, so that has not been an issue where, we, where we've done the teaching. The issue for us has been when, uh, especially in Kenya, where they have, uh, the government has, they're called COHOs, Community Oral Health Officers. They would work with the people they, we had trained. The people we had trained will pick up their techniques, which are poor techniques, and they don't use enough anesthetic. They will come back. And they're, they're not doing what we taught them. But that only happens when they've been influenced by another um, dental professional. These places where they don't have that influence, they do it exactly what we taught, what, the way we taught them to do it. So um, we have not had an issue with sterile control at all anywhere. As a matter of fact, they've upped it. They've made it more important. So, But if I went to a place where they weren't doing what we were t- taught or they were doing, they were compromising the care of the patient, I would take the equipment home with me. So we're done. We're not doing this anymore. We're only doing this in excellence and glory to our God. And uh, don't compromise on that because you, every, everything is jeopardized. All that happens in dentistry is that we have one patient that has a complication it's not addressed and it re- Revolts, re, re, not revolts, but turns into a severe problem. Everybody knows about it, and it destroys the ministry where the people were trying to help. So they have to do it the way we showed them. Sometimes I'll notice we'll get there, and they'll be a little slow about doing their homework or preparing for the next day. And if they're not prepared, we don't hesitate to say, we didn't come all the way over here for you guys to kind of lollygag through this. We're serious. This is serious business, and you need to take it serious. If you don't want to take it serious, then go somewhere else because we're not here to play. And that usually helps them see clearly, too. So, you guys have any additional? 
I just say I think that's uh, extremely important to, especially on short-term trips. Now we're talking about one to two week trips. Uh, that you number one, this is where really I think that you need a evaluation before you go the first time. You need an evaluation trip to go and see what they, what needs to be done, and uh, what you think needs to be done, and what you would like to teach from your experience here is maybe may not be what they need. And you need to start off teaching them simple things that without that without that do not have complications, do not have long-term complications. If you're only going to be there a week or two, uh, you know you could you could really you could leave some bad problems behind, which which would uh, which would not be good for the minute for the ministry, would not be good for the uh, to honor the Lord or anything. And there is a there's a y'all may have heard of a team uh, uh, smile. It was there's um, Operation Smile. Uh, does cleft lips, and uh, they uh, they've had some problems. Where they take teams in and leave, and cleft lips break down. Boy, that's bad. That's bad. Now they that's pretty that's pretty uh, sophisticated surgery to a certain extent. But even at a lower level, you just don't want to do things that that are could have significant complications after you leave. Uh, you just don't want to do that. Uh, but you usually normally stay longer. Oh, I stay so two you, months. I stay so two he stays months. two months. So he. He gets through the first month of surgeries, and he, by that point, you've had some cases you've had to manage and teach them about how you handle these things, too. So, yeah. The other is accountability and choosing the students that are to be taught. I think it's dangerous if we're the ones who are choosing them. I think it's wiser if we work within the structure of the church, the local church there, and that those church leaders are choosing who would be trained and keeping the accountability within that church. Yeah. Good. What else? Yes. What if, I mean, even if you work with the church leaders and you have that student that just maybe doesn't have the skills or isn't quite getting in, do you, just, do you try to kindly direct them to a different area or say maybe you can be more helpful if you would do this? And That's what we did. Like that? That's what we did. We, You have to have good eyesight. Okay. You made her mad now. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um We've had a situation to do dentistry. A national has to have good eyesight, and, and they have to be a mature believer. So we'll get people that are in their late 50s, men, and they just can't see, and they just can't do dentistry. So they're really disappointed. But we put them in a sterilization position, so they're helping out there. So um, they're they would prefer to do dentistry, but they understand and they're they're willing. So yeah. So you always have that because you're the boss. You know, the people you're going there to serve, they have no clue about what you're doing. The people we go do dentistry with, they, they say, what is this? They're even told by physicians, don't do this. This will damage your ministry if you teach these guys how to do dentistry. And they say, well, Charlie said it's okay. We did it. They did it elsewhere. Let's try it out. Well, after the training, then these very physicians will say, I was wrong. This is good training. This will be great to, a way to minister. So you always keep control over a student that will cause harm because you do not want to put them in that situation. Um, anything else? Yes.
Well, I'll, I can speak to that. Um, first, it's a measure of the relationship you have with that partner. Evan touched on it. What is that relation? Where are you working? Honduras. Honduras, okay. That partner there. Now, what we've done in Central America and the Caribbean, we've built very dependent ministries. So we've done that over the years because we've come down there and we said, we're going to do it this way and here's how it's done. So it's tough to break dependency. So then you have to deal with the government laws. Um, you have you can't you have to understand the laws of the land. You depend on your partner to understand the laws. We cannot go train somebody to do dentistry if it violates the law of that land. Now most governments um, have set up situations where in rural areas where there's no access to care, where the government should be providing care for their people and they can't. They have laws that cover those situations. So first you have to know the laws of the land. My hunch is in the, in the Central America, the laws of the land will not allow you to train somebody to, to do dentistry, to be a lay dentist, we call them. You with me? So um, so you have to start to look at other avenues. Uh, I, and you have, to, you have to really start to study and pray as to the approach you're supposed to take. Because where we have the most trouble is where we go into dependent the, in ministries that have been very dependent on the West. Because they say, okay, now, you're going to come teach us. That's great. Now, how are you going to fund this? You're going to buy our stuff for us? You're going to pay our workers that you're going to train? You're going to do all this stuff? No. We, we don't want to get into that. That's the old model. And so it gets back to that attitude again and the mindset. So a lot of times the receiving church or mission organization has to understand what dependency has done to them. You with me? And uh, once they start to so, show that, and, and they're the ones asking for it, we, we give them this, we can do this for you if you like. And then we wait for their response. Well, this it would be better because then we don't have to wait for you guys to come down. We could work all year round and serve our people. That does sound like a better model. How will we make this work? Well, you have to pursue the government, what they say about it. Okay, we'll do that. So if they start taking steps that they're moving in that direction, that's what you're looking for. That's going to take a, ton, a while to do that. Uh, but y'all correct me if I'm wrong, and anybody in here correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure most of you will disagree with me. Don't go. Stop. Stop it. Stop making people dependent on us. And then seek God and ask him. There's places we can go where we can train to, to help people that desperately need it. You heard it from Florence yesterday. People in Sudan were so poor they had no clothes. They couldn't even close their, children, close their children. And these people aren't being helped. Let's go to these places where we can pass on these skills. Haven't we done enough to Central and South, Central America and the Caribbean? Haven't we poured enough resources into the place? We have to have new ways. I used to go on these short-term mission trips, and it was all about me. Oh, Charlie, you pull teeth like a baby. That's what they'd say. It's not about that. They, it's about us equipping them. And so we've got to stop making them dependent on us. Agree? Agree? <laughs>
I got one vote. All right. It's a launch pad. It's a launch pad. You get the experience. Yes, yes, that's what it is. It's great for the first time, but if you've been going to Jamaica for 20 years, it's kind of like you're always drinking milk. Where's the meat? So it's. I think the Bible talks about levels of things, and I think uh, those places are great for the first time or two, but it's time to go. You know, in dentistry, if you look at the parts of the world that the Gospels had the least penetration, the least penetration, it's also the areas where it has the least access to dental care, medical care, physical therapy care, dental hygiene care, nursing care. That's where we should be focusing our attention. To keep going back to, the, you know, that's why Jesus left. He said, I, I'm out of here, man. I'm sending the counselor. I'm out. He's our model. We just do it the way he did it. The um, one of the things I think is important in my in my ministry is to realize that the people I work with are usually uh, extremely smart people. They may not have had the opportunities that I have. Many of the doctors I work with overseas in, in Africa are smarter than I am, uh, and. Uh, you know, they, 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 they are really quick to pick up and learn. Now, as we talked about, so, of course, in my field, but other fields too, uh, one of the big things is for them to keep having, uh, having the supplies to do the work you teach them with. You know, if, you're not, if you come back once a year, even once a year, they may run out after six months, and what are they going to do? Well, as a plastic surgeon, plastic surgeons tend to be pretty picky. <laughs> and, uh, you know, certain sutures are just are, are the only sutures you can use. But that's not really true. You know, and every country has basic sutures, like, like chromic cat gut. Chromic cat gut's been around for centuries. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's really, uh, it may not be good as Vicryl or, or PDS, all the other things, but it works. And uh, so you have to learn to accept the fact that to, 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 especially those of you who are a lot younger than I am, 
you've not even grown up where you know what hardly what chroma catgut is. But you know, it's uh, and it's it's hard for some people to to accept the fact that chromic is as good as PDS. But it is, and they can get chromic in these countries, and that's good. And you know, going to the countries that oh good, now why do you have this kind of suture? You know, it's um, just accept the fact they have it. At least they have something. And it's, uh, it'll probably do a pretty good job. A lot of the times, it's not the suture, it's the, it's the surgeon. It's the, it's the one putting it in. And if it's going to work well, it's going to work well because of not the suture, but the surgeon. I've been really challenged myself to, again, like I was talking about, looking at my own heart and attitude, this question about... Um, places where we're not permitted to teach. Um, I think part of our approach needs to be, before we even go, is why are we going? What's our motivation? And if our motivation is guilt, we have too much and we ought to be sharing with, I, I mean, we can't just live here and do nothing, right? We have too much. We better, we, we've got to go share it with somebody. We can't just hoard it. If our motivation is, I know everything, and I ought to share it with somebody because I'm really smart, um, or we've got all the answers, we know how it should be done. If, if that's how we're going to go, we're going to end up with the, the operating room that has to have this exact suture on this exact needle, rather than looking at what is the, what is the need there. Are we going because we've got something to offer, or do we want to go and see how we can actually empower? And listening to Florence, she talks about empowerment being helping helping people in whatever context, their, their health, their spiritual well-being, their economy, to realize their own potential to solve their problems. For Christians, we're relying on empowerment by the Holy Spirit, clearly. But we're also trying to help others recognize that they have that same empowerment. Our empowerment didn't come out of ourselves, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Us being able to hand over the tools of surgery or medicine, dentistry, where we're not able to do that in the way we think we ought to be able to or meet the standard that we want to meet, are we going to say, all right, do nothing then? That, that doesn't sound like empowerment to me. If we're going to, to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ and help them realize their own potential, then we've got to be able to work, again, in their context. We're going to where they are with the understanding that our power is coming from the same place. And the transition from this being a man-started project, I went to a talk this morning by Florence, when you start working within the context of believers in the church, it, became, it becomes a God project, not a man project. That's a, that's a big transition. And now we go from man's resources to God's resources, and we're not relying on our own knowledge or strength or techniques to get the job done. And I think, again, we I've been challenged with these kind of questions to say, why are we going and how are we going to do the job that 
we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Um, how would you say to go about this in urban ministries to teach what you have to offer in your own communities that that you live near that don't have anything and don't have the medical equipment and don't have a hospital to go to or homeless? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually harder, I think. It's a lot harder. That kind of piggybacks on something that I was just getting ready to ask. Um, I think that the Bible is I heard that a little bit from Evan too. I heard a little bit, well, our standards might be a little bit lower. Did anybody else hear that? Like if we do an extraction, here's what I I thought I heard. I don't think that's what you meant, but I thought I heard, okay, if we're going to extract a tooth, well, they're not, they're in a different situation, so their standards can be a little bit lower. Good, you didn't hear that. I didn't. Okay, I didn't hear you <laughs> because I don't. Uh, but I didn't say that. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. So I would start with the church. Here's what I do here in Louisville. I found an inner city church, and I start going. It's a longer process. So I start going to that church to offer, um, not free, but dental services for $10. So we bring a team down, and we work within this church. The church now sees, okay, this is benefiting our community. Now, now they're asking all the questions. Should we set up a clinic here? Should we um, should we involve government funding? Should we now all the questions are starting to come up, and now we just start feeding them resources. So now, just like Evan said, it's a church making the decision about how to serve that community, and so that's where we're at. And it's the same thing we do overseas. We want to work through the local church, if at all possible, and. Uh, if we don't, if we can't work to do the local church, then we ought to spend our time strengthening that local church in some way. Now, there's other countries that are doing that much better than we are, so we got to use those resources too. But that's that would be my first approach. Now, do we, as health professionals, do I feel a responsibility for the citizens of this state? Yes, I do. It's our responsibility. This gift of medicine or dentistry or whatever it is is not ours for us to enjoy all the blessings from it. We all have responsibility to serve our people and, and to get them safe, effective care. 
So that has been my approach is to go through the local church. But that takes time because they have to navigate all the nuances of that. So. Yeah. Uh, this might be a slight tangent, but especially in third world countries, what do you think is the church's role in preventing brain, uh, brain drain? Because there are you know, many positions in dentist insurgents in developing countries, but so many of them seem to be sort of escaping to Western Europe, to America. How, do you, how, does, how can the church inspire those guys to go back to their own cultures? Perhaps a Dr. Carter, did you hear the question? It's not about brain, brain drain. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a brain drain. Okay, his question is, because you, you treat, you, not, you, you work with a lot of highly educated nationals. So his question is, what's the church's role in um, these people that are highly educated and very smart staying in their country and serving their people rather than running to the U.S. or Western Europe? Yeah, well, I, uh, uh, let me stand up. Uh, most of, a lot of my years, early years, were in uh, Nigeria, and uh, they just have hundreds and hundreds of doctors there, about 25 medical schools, uh, and uh, very smart doctors, and um, and they uh, and you know they have many of them have gone off to other countries, and they've actually gone off to um, London Saudi and worked in Saudi for a while. But a lot of them have come back to Nigeria, and the ones that have come back to Nigeria, by and large, are the ones who are Christian. By and large, are the ones who want to come back and serve their people. Uh, and you know, I think it's I think it's just like it is in this country. Uh, I mean, if people want to serve others and have that Christian spirit and of love and compassion, uh, then they will they will not look at money as the bottom line. And I've, I know a number of uh, Nigerian doctors who have come back. Uh, I work closely with a Zambian neurosurgeon uh, who, he has, he, he, when he graduated, uh, he, there are 45 people in his class. Right now, there are four, five of them back in Zambia working. This was, this was 20 years ago. And those five, two of those are he and his wife. <laughs> and the reason he came back was because he had offers all over. He trained in South Africa. He trained came back because he, he's he's one of he, he's one of ten siblings, and five of those have died from HIV, AIDS, and they have left all kinds of kids, that nephews and and uh, nieces and everything, that don't have a father figure. So he's gone back to take to be take care of the kids of his brothers and sisters who have died of of AIDS. But I think that's a that's a real problem. I don't, I don't know that the church, I don't know that the local church in these countries can do anything. I don't know of anything they can draw people back to the country. I don't think they can offer them uh, anything special in hospitals or things like that to come back. I think it has to be a, a inner spiritual matter between them and God and how they how they see their country and the needs of their country. Uh, I don't I don't know of any. I don't know of any methodology to bring people back. I don't know of anything by the local church. I just don't know of anything. Uh, most of them would never come back to local work in the church hospitals. 
because the church hospitals cannot pay them anything near what they're making in, your, in Europe or wherever they are in America. Uh, and it's just a hard thing. It's between them and the Lord. And I don't know if, I don't know if anything, any mechanism by which we can get people back. That's true. Or whatever. So uh, I think we need to keep that in mind and not have a condemnatory attitude for somebody staying here when, in fact, they probably are sending the bulk of their, of their salary or whatever back for their family. Mm-hmm. And there are people, there are doctors here in this country I know that are that are from places like Nigeria, and they go back every year and do a great service for their people. And provide uh, lots of equipment, money, things like that to help and help local hospitals in their in their country. But they're doing it with the resources they're gaining over here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And a desire to um, sustain the services that you start up. The cost of uh, sustaining those is um, sometimes surrounded with uh, the consumable goods and try to stop the dependability on, on us. Do you spend any energy or do you have any resources of where you can find alternative sources for these consumable goods that are outside of the U.S. that might be cheaper? Do you spend any time working that Yeah. Yeah, there, there are other sources for things. And uh, uh, there are organizations in Europe that supply things, that are, uh, drugs at a lot cheaper prices then they can get them from here and get them a generic drugs and things like that, you know. And you have to accept less than, less than the latest, latest antibiotics and things like that. But there are sources, because uh, you have to be careful with <laughs> You have to be careful with those sources because you can get a lot of things that are just, uh, are, um, I can give you story after story of people who thought they had a, were taking a certain drug and, and uh, they, uh, they had no blood levels of that drug at all. Uh, because it was not, it was a fake drug based there, placebo, I think. But um, there are sources. Now you have to, they, you have to be creative to find those sources. Those are not easy to find. And uh, you can get a lot of things cheaply here in this country. The problem is they're getting it overseas. But for the for the clinics overseas to maintain, and that's what's something you have to teach. You have to teach them. When you go and teach them, you have to teach them with what they have available in their country. Now I take them certain things specialized things, but I go back every year. But for the most part, you have to teach them to use the things they have available in their country. If you don't, they're going to drop whatever you taught them. I mean, they're not going to be able to do what you taught them. So, you know, I make sure that I, I know what they have available in their country, what drugs they have available in their country, what supplies they have available in their country. I know what they have available in Kenya. I know what they have available in Nigeria and some other countries, in Zambia. So I don't try to teach them how to do techniques where they cannot possibly get the equipment to do that after I leave, or say a year later, two years later. Um, so anyway, that's that's a big problem. What you say is a huge problem. It's, it's sustainability, and that that is really really difficult. Uh, uh, and you have to be. That's that's why you have to either make sure you teach them how to do things that they have the supplies in their country to do that, or number two, you go back on a frequent basis or send teams back on a frequent basis. We, uh, we keep our supply list as minimized 
we, we teach dentistry, so we need some antibiotics, painkillers, and gauze and gloves. So we try to minimize um, that list. And then when we go, we take them to the dental supply store. Sometimes that's an hour air flight away. This is what you buy. This is, you know, this is the quantity you need. And we teach them that. Now, the other issue with sustainability is when we go and teach dentistry, we really encourage them to um, charge a fee. Now, they're saying, what? In India, it's like you mix money with ministry, you've negated all your ministry. I don't know where this came from, but it's out there. Others say, well, if we charge a fee, then we got to pay taxes, and we get in trouble with the government because we're a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, you know, those are all issues they have to deal with, and that's where we rely on our partner. But we do, um, we do want to emphasize sustainability because we have not in the past, and that's the future. And Because uh, everything stops if, if we're going to depend on the West to pay for the dental care of people in Ghana. Now, so you, it's always a constant work in progress. In India, they said, we're not going to charge a fee for three years. And I said, come on, like, does this make sense? Well, they're starting to soften up a little bit. So then we'll pilot a program where we will take a few of the dentists we've trained and we'll charge a fee. Well, it's working out great. In parts of West Africa, Muslim West Africa, they say, if we don't charge a fee, it's another Christian trick. That's what our community will call it. So therefore, we're going to charge a fee that's fair and, and makes it sustainable. We, we figure it's about $1.50 to extract a tooth with local anesthetic, needles, gauze, gloves, and everything. So we encourage them to start there with a fee. Maybe it's a bag of rice, maybe it's a chicken, but it's something. But it's a dignity issue too, right? We blow that whole issue off, but it's especially, it's crazy. Denny. But basic stuff they can get, amoxicillin, yeah, yeah, local yeah, anesthetic. Exactly. We got needles from Egypt, remember that they broke yeah. off? Yeah. I mean, you took that and they broke off. It's like, oh, my. Fortunately, it didn't break off on a patient's mouth. But the needles, the needles right out of the hub. Oh, they come right out of the hub. It's like, oh, my. Yeah. So Dr. Carter had a good point. you you got to really watch the quality. So we are about to wrap up. It's, it's already 2 o'clock. Let me play one thing here. I've got this slide up here, suitcase tools. These are things nowadays you take in a suitcase overseas. A lot of things years ago you take take boxes and boxes. But I want to make this one. For those of you who are physicians out here, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, consulting on a daily basis with doctors all over the world. Uh, and uh, I get, uh, and they email me, and so and they send me pictures. And boy, I tell you, most of them have digital cameras, but some of them don't. But, you know, if you go overseas and you, you, in medicine, if you want to, if you give them a digital camera, they can email you and a computer. That's fantastic. 
The other thing is, is nowadays, the newer technique is really making, helping people overseas, is having a webcam, taking them a webcam, and, and let them even put the picture in front of you, uh, and let you look at that picture, look at the patient, and then, and, and you can, on Skype, and you can help them, and, I mean, when I was in Nigeria in the 70s, I mean, it took me uh, six weeks to get an answer, a consultation, three weeks to get the snail mail back over to over, and then three weeks back with an answer. Uh, and nowadays, it's just instantaneous. And it's fantastic. Uh, computers, cheap computers, uh, digital cameras, uh, and especially if you're doing work teaching overseas, and, you, and they want you want them, they like to consult you on, on a, a regular basis. And the webcam is the latest thing, so and that it's very, very helpful. Okay, we'll hang around a little bit if you have more questions. Denny's a really good resource. Um, so we want to – we have to stop because we're out of time. So, Denny, will you pray for us? Sure. Would you say a quick prayer? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for any questions. Lord, thank you for opening our minds and, uh, you know, just getting us on that next step, helping us – Vision where you have us go and what you have us do. And Father, how we can truly bring the skills that we have to the third world, the people that you love and care for. So, Father, we thank you for this conference and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.